Hello, everybody. Welcome back out to the Bonner Show today. Uh, today, we're, we have an awesome slate in front of us. As always, we have uh, something great. We're, we want to talk about the Super Bowl. This last week was one of the biggest moments in sports, and we were able to watch it together. It was super great to, to be able to get together and stay socially distanced at the same time, but still be able to watch the Super Bowl together and really kind of uh, give each other's thoughts at the, at the moment. Um, during the Super Bowl. We're also going to talk about some teams for next season, some potential trades, and we're going to talk some other sports today and then finish with the big three. So, Scott, let's just jump into our Super Bowl review. I know last week you had picked uh, Kansas City to cover the spread and the over. Neither of those hit, so you were 0-2 last week. I was 1-1. I had picked the Buccaneers, but I had also picked the over. Uh, it was something that we just couldn't see coming where the Chiefs just could not even score 21 points. It was kind of bonkers. Yeah, shout out my parents for letting us watch it at their house and enjoying it together. I'm grateful that we got to at least watch one football game, the biggest one of all. And it did not end up going really at all like we thought. I think we both we both said on last podcast that we could see it being a high-scoring game, but not a blowout in either direction. And we were completely wrong about that. Um, the main thing that stuck out to me about the game was just this was a game that was like totally one in the trenches on both sides of the ball for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to give another shout out. Since you already shouted, gave a shout out to your parents, I want to shout out your sister. Um, <laughs> Good call. Speaking of talking about the trenches, uh, we were watching the game and each each time it got into like really first and goal or first and 15, I said it's Gronk territory. And your sister kind of trademarked this new this new thing, which we both love, but it's first and Gronk. So your sister Elisa trademarked first and Gronk. And that was one of the biggest things to me was seeing Gronk go into the Super Bowl and the Buccaneers really be, being able to work off play action. You mentioned the trenches, and that's where it really started. The Buccaneers were able to establish the run with both Lenny Fournette and Rojo, and, and it really just paid off in the play-action game. Yeah, I said I, I thought if the Buccaneers were going to win, they needed Gronkowski and Brady to have some sort of like storybook magic that happened for them. And that first half, was there was there it was nothing short of that, like, it was, of course, of all people to get into the end zone twice, it was Rob Gronkowski. Year after retirement, didn't really do anything for like the past like five or six weeks of the season. And he just came out and, and had a great first half, honestly. Um, the Like I said, so on offense, I mean, they you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like both playoff Lenny and Rojo had really no time. Or, or had really no problem moving the ball. Um, and the Chiefs defense didn't really provide any resistance to the run. And then on the other side of that, Vita Vea was like freaking, uh, what's that one Big Bird gif where Big Bird like knocks down the door? Have you seen that gif before? <laughs> yeah. Vita Vea was that on every single play. He like was literally in the backfield almost every single time. And, and Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul get a lot of the credit for the Bucks, but Vita Vea caused so much problems at the middle and, Obviously, Mahomes was running for for his life, and that was kind of the the story of the game. But to focus on on the Bucks, I mean, they they really um, brought back the debate of whether an offense or defense can win a championship. I think that debate is still alive. The Bucks 
by, by no means are just a defensive team and they really weren't a defensive team throughout the season, but they, they totally won this game with defense as great as Brady was. Well, and we've talked about the Bucks all playoffs long, how they just became the hot defensive team and look at where it carried them, you know, like it, and, and I have a little note here talking about the Chiefs. It says the the left tackle, Eric Fisher, was out. He was the number one overall pick, I think, in 2013 or something like that. But you could see the difference it would have made even if they had Eric Fisher healthy, who they had just lost two weeks previous in the Bills game. Um, Eric Fisher is a, is a huge key to that offense and protecting Mahomes' blind side, so he can roll out to that left side. Um, and, and it kind of makes me worried, and I want to pick your brain on this a little bit. I know I'm veering away from the exact Super Bowl, but are you worried for the Chiefs in three-plus years at where they're going to be? Because they'll have Mahomes locked down for 10 years, but a lot of their salary will go towards Mahomes and Kelsey. They won't be able to maybe provide that protection that Mahomes needs, or they won't be able to have receivers like Tyreek Hill, um, you know, and, and so I'm kind of nervous as where they'll be because we do see Mahomes and what he did with no line. He was still able to throw to a lot of receivers and, and do a lot of great things, but it, it just worries me as to what their future holds. No, I'm not worried. When you have Patrick Mahomes, you can, you can figure it out. And he's not someone that is going to need the best line in football for a long time. Their line was obviously suffering more injury and more turnover than just about anyone's line in all of football. And they'll have those guys back and they don't need to spend, I think too much. I, I think they can still, I was going to ask you where the chiefs go from here, but I, I think kind of to spoil that, I, I think they'll be able to pick up a bunch of, of cheap linemen in the draft to be able to, to protect Mahomes for the next few years on cheaper contracts, just because they have so much salary dedicated to their, their big playmakers. I think they'll be all right. Do you, do you think that they could focus more on linemen and less on wide receivers and Mahomes will just make wide receivers around him look like superstar receivers, essentially? I don't think you can say that for sure, just because we saw Mahomes throwing to all of those receivers on, on a dot, on a frozen rope, pretty much throughout the entire game with no protection, and they still drop passes for him. They still screwed up and time and time again. I mean... Mahomes was literally sideways at one point, 30 yards out and hit Daryl Williams right in the hands in the end zone and went off his, I guess, went off his helmet. And the same thing with Tyreek in that first quarter. That was a huge missed opportunity for them too. Kelsey even dropped passes. So I I think they, I don't think you can say you don't need to invest anything in your offense around Mahomes at at wide receiver at receiving positions. But I do think you, they're, they're pretty set for a while, especially with Kelsey on a, locked up contract and and the other options there that they've just acquired so I I I don't know how much they need to invest in much as their offense I I think that will be fixed next year as they get their linemen healthy and back the defense is what worries me a little bit more just because it is really streaky and not nearly as consistent and they just they have so many so many guys who are really opportunistic and streaky but also a lot of hotheads that that drive a lot of um, inconsistent play for them when they're not doing well. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, you know how I feel about that Chiefs defense, especially when Tyron Matthew and Clark were both uh, kind of acting out. And especially if you go at my man, Brady, man, if you go at my boy, Brady, and Brady comes back at you instead of Brady just kind of shrugging it off, if he comes at you, 
that's when you know you probably went a little bit too far. Yeah, Matthew had no reason to be talking in the first place. He really hadn't done anything all game long, and he let the heat of the moment get to him for sure. I have a question for you about Brady. Yeah. I mean, we feel like he had a he had a great game, another great first half, and then really didn't need to do too much in the second half. We don't really even need to debate that he's he's definitely at this point probably the best athlete. He's definitely the GOAT of the NFL, but there's an argument to be made that he's the best athlete in any sport. However, do we think that with how well the Bucks defense could have played this game, do we think Blaine Gabbert could have started the game and they still would have won? Uh <laughs> don't think that I do not think that Blaine Gap I think you would have seen a lot more turnovers a lot more uh three and outs which could have obviously changed the game very very much but um Brady's never been known as the biggest arm guy as the most playmaking guy I mean he played with Peyton Manning and then Patrick Mahomes came in and Aaron Rodgers you know he's never been known as like the the biggest arm talent the most mobile whatever it was but he just is so good at controlling the time, knowing which play to call. Like when he's at the line of scrimmage doing pre-snap adjustments, that's that's what separates Brady from all these other guys is just his mentality and his I don't I don't want to say his work ethic because I think a lot of people put in similar amount of time, but just what he gets out of his work. And that's what separates Brady for me. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. The Gabbard probably couldn't have done it. Maybe if they had Bortles back up, they could have slotted him in there, but I don't know. Gabbert probably wasn't enough. I did have an interesting anecdote about the Bucks for this game. I don't know if you saw it, but all the players who scored in the game for the Bucks were not on their team um, in before free agency last year. Leonard Fournette. Yeah, Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, and their kicker, Ryan Suckup. Wow, I never realized that. Yeah, and obviously Brady was the one throwing to them all. So all of those players were not even – a, a buccaneer and and you know their best their best graded player by pro football focus was actually their first round overall first round pick um tristan Wirfs, offensive lineman he had an insanely great game too and so th- it was just honestly like a revolutionized team with that was already pretty solid last year they just put together so many pieces obviously around those guys that were already there and Antoine Winfield had a great game too. He he got his revenge on Tyree Kill from the the first <laughs> matchup. So it was it was overall just like a clinic on offense and defense. Yeah, it was it was really cool to watch. I'm glad a couple of my boys got another Super Bowl. It, it, it was sad to watch Tom Brady and Gronk win, not in the blue, white, and red. But uh, it was a uh, it was kind of nice to see one of my boys who you know I love, Ali Marpet from Hobart. Uh, the left guard get a get a championship and and shout out to Ryan Suckup. I don't know if you saw this, but he's the first uh, Mister Irrelevant to ever win a Super Bowl. Wow, the first the last pick in the draft, right? Correct. Wow, another interesting stat that you're throwing out at me. Yeah, it, I don't know if it's a stat, but it's a cool thing. It's like, well, yeah, a little anecdote. That's cool. Yeah, so that's. I mean, shout out to Tom. He's got his seventh Super Bowl more than any other team ever in history he has more than any other team it's pretty cool for him and and he's got five in the last you know he went I think it was a 10-year span without winning a Super Bowl 
I think it was from 2005 to 2015 that he didn't win a Super Bowl. And then since then, he's won four, which is pretty freaking sweet for an older guy, you know, and his after 35 years old, he's won four Super Bowls. Pretty sweet. Yeah, sweet's a word for it. I'm sure that 10-year drought was really was really brutal for him, just not being able to get over the hump, you know. But, I mean, he he's played with great teams, but he's also been – the difference maker behind all of those teams. So you have to give him, you have to give him all the credit in the world. I don't, I don't feel like there's any reason to, to take credit away from him or, or hate on him. And in, in uh, this past, past five, six years, what he's been able to do when everybody's pretty much said he's been done for that same amount of time. So I have, I have um, a couple more stats on the Chiefs, Chiefs sides. So I just wanted to run past you and, and yeah. put your brain on if you have, if you're okay with that. So Mahomes was pressured 29 times throughout the game, which is the most in NFL history for a Super Bowl. Brady, on the other hand, was pressured just four times. Um, the the Bucks actually only blitzed um, more than four um, defensive linemen or defensive players on 11% of the drop pack. So they didn't actually even blitz Mahomes that much. Do we think – why do we think that, um, that Andy Reid didn't – adjust though and try to actually bring more blockers in to help Mahomes out when he was running for his life I mean a lot of the times we saw that that Mahomes had to start running directly backwards whenever he got the snap was because they didn't have an extra tight end into block they didn't have an extra running back into block why why do we think he was like so insistent on keeping options out in the I guess in the in the secondary for Mahomes to throw to instead of giving him more protection so I've, I've thought about this quite a bit, actually. Um, do you remember what you said to us when I think we were going into the second half? I think you said something along the lines of like, man, it feels like Mahomes hasn't even been pressured that much yet. Maybe it was after the second quarter sometime, but it, you know. That after- doesn't make me sound very smart. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it was pressured the whole game. Well, well, you watched the first quarter and the second quarter and – after that second quarter, what what was the score? It was six to four. At halftime? Yeah, at halftime. It was 21 to six at halftime. And, and the Buccaneers scored in the last minute of the yeah. half. Yeah, uh, they threw that pass to Antonio Brown. Exactly. So it was really a close game up until that point. It was a one-score game up until that point. Um, before that second half, you saw a lot of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire staying in the backfield. You didn't see him out as much in passing uh, in passing routes. And uh, I think Daryl Williams was back there a little bit. So I think they went away from that to try to make up the points because that's what the Chiefs have are always done. You know, they've spread it out. They've gotten as many guys out into the field to make plays and just let Patrick Mahomes find them. But when they're missing that left tackle, and I, I know – uh, the right tackle Mitchell Schwartz went down in week five but they can come back from that but they moved that right tackle to start at left tackle in place of Eric Fisher you know but it, it just seems like they just didn't keep it in because they were trying to come back from that deficit like they had done plenty of times like we saw last year in Houston they'd kind of ran the same same type of deal last year in Houston where they had someone in blocking whether it was a tight end or a running back. And then once they got down, they were willing to spread the ball out more and play a little bit more aggressive. And that didn't work out for them this year. Okay. I mean, I, I, mean, I think that's a good analysis just because they did need to put a few more threats in, uh, I guess, in 
to run out into the secondary. I, I feel like whenever Hill and Kelsey did go out into coverage, it was they were pretty much double teamed. And the times that they weren't, Levante David and Devin White played like two of the best linebackers I'd ever seen. I mean, they they somehow like completely neutralized Kelsey until the fourth quarter. He could get like nothing going over the middle. And they just, every single one of them stepped their game up completely. And they did a good job of adjusting from that first game. And it, it really felt like the Chiefs didn't have any answer. And it just does, it puts a value on the ability to, to win games in the trenches still. Everybody says you just need to have a dynamic passing offense. You need to have a lot of threats and a great quarterback to win championships and and we don't I I still don't know whether that is the case year after year and I I really do feel like games still can be won by elite defenses it's just hard for defenses to to continually um I guess like build around and and be great year after year it's hard to keep everything together I I think we're both in that same boat you know how much I love offensive linemen and even defensive linemen and you love defensive linemen yourself you know, so it's it's always like I, for us, it's a game that's won in the trenches. It, if you can protect your quarterback and give him an extra second or two seconds to throw the ball, that just gives you more time to run plays, to run your routes, to do everything. You know, it's it, it's very crucial. Yeah, the uh, I, I I agree with all that. I think the uh, the established the run haters, um, a lot of them are the analytics people. Those people should be in, in shambles a little bit this game just because it was it was so important to the Bucks win, I think, for them to continue to move the ball. I mean, it felt like they could just run it at will, and then that opened up the play action as always. So anyway, that was pretty much my my thoughts on, on the game. I, I We could beat a dead horse about Mahomes having to <laughs> to run for his life the whole game, but I mean – I don't know. It was it was an entertaining game to watch because there were things that ha- that crazy that happened, but at the same time, kind of a boring game. So yeah, it was it was an up and down game for us. Luckily, we were watching it together and able to have some fun. I I do have a question. Who, yeah. So Tom Brady won the MVP of the Super Bowl. I I mean, it, it just seemed like it was predetermined. But who was your Super Bowl MVP this year? Oh man. I could give it to probably two or three different people on the Buccaneers. I mentioned one Vita Vea just because he made such a big difference on defense inside for the Buccaneers. The guy came back from a high ankle sprain in like four weeks and was somehow like just destroy, destroying everything on defense and then was even in, in plays on offense <laughs> at the goal line. Um, I, I, I would give it him score just to say that it would have, been- I know it should have been hit. Honestly, if he had, if they had thrown the, the the pass to the lineman to him instead, they might have actually scored on that drive. I was going to say either Vita Vea or, or probably Gronkowski just because of the difference he made in the first half. Okay. I, I like those picks. I wish I could choose a, a coach to be the MVP. I think Todd Bowles deserves way more freaking uh, credit than getting. Think about the, the defense that he was running against the Chiefs. He was able to run two safeties against them. And and really just shut down the middle and shut down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like you mentioned. I, I would love to give it to Todd Bowles. Other than that, I would probably give it to I I would probably give it to Brady just because I'm a I'm a Brady lover. Um, but if not I playoff had, Lenny, huh? No playoff, definitely not playoff Lenny. He was I, he I, was balling, so he he's deserving as well. I I would go with Levante David over playoff Lenny. No, that, that's just me. 
Yeah, you're just a playoff lane hater. It's okay. I mean, Todd Bowles, he I, I like that pick too, just because this is the first time in Mahomes' career going back to high school that he did not throw a touchdown pass in the game that his team didn't even score 10 points oh wow i didn't know that yeah That's... his team his teams throughout high school college and in the nfl have never been held to single digits wow yeah that's incredible todd bowles the first to do it get him a head coaching job seriously he, he todd bowles deserves one eric the enemy even though he didn't have a super great game this game you know, as a coach, he still deserves a head coaching job. Do you have any closing remarks on the Super Bowl before we move on? No, just looking ahead to the next Super Bowl already. You want me to, to give you the odds for teams most likely to, to win the Super Bowl next year right off the bat? Wow, I would love that. We kind of talked about this last week, but I would love to hear what the actual odds are. All right, so in order uh, from from Vegas, this is how it stands as of today, February 10th. It's definitely destined to change <laughs> between now and September. But the Chiefs still have the highest odds, then the Packers, then the Buccaneers, then the Ravens, then the Bills, then the Rams, and then the last few, the Niners, Browns, Saints, and Seahawks make up the top 10. Wow. Any surprises in there for you? Um, probably the Browns for me. <laughs> yeah they're sitting in eighth yeah browns in the top 10 for me is kind of surprising buccaneers because we don't know if tom brady's coming back if gronk's coming back um we don't know any of that that, that just seems too risky for me there well did you not hear brady in his mvp speech that he said he's already planning to run it back i but he's 43 man like how i mean I, I can't discredit him because he's do, done this so many years in a row where it's like, oh, he's 32 years old. He's past his prime, you know, but I don't I know. Was con- I was convinced he was going to retire because it's like, how, how could he possibly have a better near yet, better year next year other than like maybe Wayne MVP? I don't really see that being likely, but this couldn't have been a better year for him. Like, yeah. Why would you not want to end on a good note if you're going to end it at any point? Best playoff quarterback all time. It's cemented now. He just beat the next face of the franchise, the face of the NFL in Pat Mahomes. Has seven Super Bowl rings, played with Gronk. All right, this is turning into a, a Brady hugging <laughs> segment. I would, I would probably look into retirement if I were him, but I, it's his choice. If he still feels like he can go for another year or two years, go for it. Yeah, that's, I mean... I, I don't I don't see them um, winning the Super Bowl next year just because it, they felt like they had major team of destiny vibes, but and I don't know how sustainable their defense will be going into next year as well. Um, just since it didn't really have a great regular season, it kind of seemed like a fluky uh, defensive performance in the in the playoffs. But you never know. So so the Bucks and the the Browns are your two biggest surprises, probably. Yeah, I wouldn't have even had the Browns as a thought. Okay. I, I, I think probably the saints are the biggest surprise to me just because there's so many unknowns about. Yeah. It's, I just don't feel good about Baker Mayfield. That's my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, well, let's move on to our next little segment here. Uh, we wanted to kind of talk about the teams that we think have the best chance to maybe over succeed or to succeed next year. Uh, you know, uh, what improve? That's what improve. you called it, and I, I, I wanted to say 
also are teams that we may think have the worst chance to um, or, or the most likely chance to under succeed what they're they're projected or to what's the opposite of improve decline decline, ah, yeah. <laughs> decline. or is escape the word well, is it's just these languages in my head you know but let let's hear yours who who do you think has the most likely chance to improve and to really succeed um just based off the off season that they'll have and and going into next year all right, I, I think my two will be I my my I guess like the one I'm most confident in is the Chargers. I feel like they have the the formula in place with a great quarterback. Um, that's only going to get better this next year. They also have a great pass rush and and have a lot of great defensive pieces that'll be coming back for them, like Derwin James in the secondary, and um, they also have a really good coach that I'm excited about. I mean, I guess we haven't seen him have any real really much experience outside of being able to be the defensive coordinator for the Rams this this past year but looking forward to them um showing a lot of improvement and also the Dolphins I think they have great pieces on defense they also have the two first round picks in this draft and I think Tua either takes the next step for them or they they make the trade okay I like that I I don't like the AFC East idea but I like the Chargers idea um so I had two teams also I thought of the Washington football team. Just oh, on the back on of the Taylor back of Taylor Heineke, Heineke just resigned today. Um, I just see their defense is improving even more. Montez Sweat and Chase Young both having big improving games or years, and then that defense really carrying them again. I don't see a huge improvement, but I see them being like eight and eight, nine and seven. But that still probably wins the NFC East for me. And yeah, then probably. my other team is an AFC East team, and it's the Jets. Uh, you know how high I, I feel about Sala. I'm higher on Darnold than you are, and I think the Jets have all their cards in their hands right now. They have If they don't love a quarterback in this draft, they can build around Darnold. If Sala loves Darnold, then they can build around Darnold uh, and just get him some weapons. I think that the Jets have all the pieces in this offseason to finally put it together. And I've never liked the Jets. I've never liked anything they're doing. But with the Sala move, that's that's what's the kicker for me. I think he's one of the best younger younger coaches. And he's just so good at what he does. And he's a great motivator. And I think that will be huge for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I I have nothing but positive things to say about Sala other than like, we don't really know how X's and O's driven he is and how um, I guess he will go about building a team, but he does have the right um, mindset and like ability to bring a, a great culture to a team. So I, I see both of those teams being better from this, this next year, if they figure out both of their quarterback problems, they both just have so many issues or question marks at quarterback, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree. Who are your worst teams? All right, the two teams I think decline the most this next year are the wow. Steelers. Um, I, I expect them to just have so many question marks on offense. They they don't really have many answers for what they'll do at quarterback, whether they want to stick it out with, with Roethlisberger. He, he is always injured perpetually, it feels like, so maybe he'll just want to actually finally hang it up now that his buddies, uh, Phil Rivers and 
and Eli Manning have have now too. So I don't really know what they're going to do on offense. They don't have a great run game still. They're just they're a really old team that still has some good pieces. Their defense is still really great, but I don't think they'll be it's it's really hard to sustain defensive success from one year to the next. So I don't think they'll be able to 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 perform as well as they did this past year. And then my second team is is the Seahawks just because of the Russell Wilson rumors that are swirling so far today and the past, I guess, 24 hours, really. And then they, they're another team that has question marks all over their roster. Their, their defense really doesn't do anything really that well. And they might not have their, uh, their franchise quarterback that they've depended yeah, on. Yeah. That's, so that's so huge. Especially if anything happens with Russell Wilson, besides being in Seattle, that, that could be a, a huge hit for them. Yeah, I'm just trying to speak it into existence. But anyway, what's who are your uh, what's your team that I, I also had most? the Seahawks as as one of my teams. Uh, Russell Wilson as a improvising quarterback, he's getting a little bit older and maybe a little bit slower, and that's why he doesn't want to get hit as much. Um, it, it just seems like their run game isn't as strong as it was a couple of years ago. Their defense just doesn't feel as strong as it was a couple of years ago. So those are both crucial things to me and when I think about them, I'm like, man, like, how are you doing this? I I didn't even feel like they were like a playoff team outside of the first two or three weeks of the season, you know? So I'm, I'm with you year after year. I don't know how they managed to, to win 10 games. So every year, but I'm guess we'll wait and see and wait for that to happen. That exact same thing to happen again, whether their team just looks terrible week after week and then they end up, 10 and 6 and, or 11 and, and 5. it easily could happen. My my next team, I think this one's the one of the more obvious ones. I have the Saints. Um the Saints potentially losing Drew Brees. He still hasn't officially retired, but he did take a cut in his salary for this year so that uh the Saints do have more salary cap. Either moving to Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill or a combo of both doesn't really intrigue me very much. You know, I love Jameis Winston, but like <laughs> I, it it just felt like this year was the Saints' year to maybe get something done. Maybe they move on from some of those defensive pieces. I don't know. I don't know what the Saints' offensive plan or offseason plan is this year. And so that's that's what kind of concerns me, and and that's what makes me think that they'll fall from the height that they were. You're not you're not excited about the prospect of a dual quarterback system with Sean no King. I I no not at all. Scares me. <laughs> that's that's saying something for a guy that loves James Winston. And it it just doesn't feel like it's it just doesn't feel like it's all there. Not for Jameis Winston, but for the Saints as a whole. Their defense is is so good, and they still have two of the best like playmakers in the NFL with Michael Kamara. Thomas and and uh, Alvin Kamara. So if they can, I don't know. Do they have their first round pick this year? Can they? Maybe oh yeah they do because we had the most picking a safety so maybe maybe they need to uh, consider just ditching I mean Jameis Winston isn't officially on contract for them so maybe they they pick up uh, a a quarterback in the late like one of uh, Mac Jones and Trap um, or some of the other yeah Kyle Trap some of the guys that you maybe one of the guys that you liked um, and just kind of roll with him and, and roll with a rookie contract and a good yeah, defense. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think it's a tough situation for them to be in. 
So I, I don't know. And, and I just feel like their defense was great, especially with Marshawn Lattimore. Um, but what if they moved on from some of those key defensive pieces? It just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't feel like the Saints are going to have it together this year. And maybe they're one year out from being back to a good team. I feel like they're going to have a steep drop off for some reason. Yeah, unless they figure out what to do at, at quarterback quickly. I, I think they can they can be, I guess, like competitive if they have a, a rookie quarterback, even that doesn't have a ton of talent, to at least just like make use of the playmakers they have and then if they keep a lot of their their um their pieces in place with with the defensive line that they have and, and a lot of those those young, nice secondary pieces that they, they all have a chance, but they definitely won't be like, I don't think the favorite. Obviously, with with the Buccaneers now in the the division and, and yeah, it's, it would be tough to see. Well, let's take a break. Let's take a quick break and come back. And when we come back, we'll talk about our potential trades that I, at least I've thought about, and I want your your takes on them. Um, and then we'll talk about some other sports from around the world. And then we're gonna dive right into the big three. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're just going to dive right into some potential trades here, Scott. I, I want to start out, there's been so many hot rumors about trades this offseason with quarterbacks. It just seems like it's going to be a quarterback frenzy, whether it's in the draft because there's five potential first-round picks, um, multiple teams that are maybe looking to move on from their quarterbacks like we saw with Stafford and Goff moving. Um, I want to dive right in. Carson Wentz. I have Carson Wentz potentially going to the bears um what the eagles would get back would be the 20th pick in this year's draft and nick Foles. nick Foles Foles is back wow i mean i'm shook by that so i i don't have any other thoughts of the nick Foles being back i can't even imagine it's just it's just kind of it feels kind of it felt kind of right to just bring Nick Foles back to the Eagles, especially when they're having quarterback controversy. Maybe Jalen Hurts isn't the quarterback of the future for them, but they feel he's better than Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz salary. You know, it just feels right bringing Nick Foles back. Is that why you sent him to the, the Bears over a team like? The yeah, Bulls? that's that's kind of why I picked him to go over the to the Bears. I feel like the Bears are in probably a bigger need for quarterback than the Colts are. I feel like the Colts still could bring, bring back Brissett and still have like their same offense from two or three years ago. Whereas the bears probably don't want to bring back Trubisky, especially even though he did lead them to the playoffs, he barely got them into the playoffs. Yeah. Put, put some respect on, on yeah, I, it, it just didn't seem like it was Mitch's team and Matt Nagy's probably on on the hot seat. So why not try to bring in someone that maybe has that oomph to him? Cause Carson Wentz, as we have seen in the past can throw the ball really deep. He's kind of dynamic when he is feeling it, but you know, I, I don't know. That's the Nick Foles was the kicker for me to the bears. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I like it. Why not see another round round two of Nick Foles there? It, it definitely Wentz would be an upgrade from, from Trubisky I feel like Bears fans would pretty, be pretty upset about that since <laughs> it wouldn't be like too much of an upgrade. I mean, they're 
their best quarterback in their entire franchise history is is still um, Jay Cutler. So they're probably looking to make a bigger move in free agency than that. At least Bear fans, Bears fans, but who knows what Matt Nagy's thinking? So I'm I, on. Board I just with don't it. make it happen. Yeah, push, push the, the button. button. I like that. Push the button. I just don't see who they could get that's better than Wentz. You know, like who's there's somebody playing down in Houston. They think they can. They can yeah, get. Us they might have to give up 15 first round picks to get Deshaun Watson. It just feels like I. It just feels like he he won't go to Chicago. To me, it just doesn't seem like it's a good fit. I'd trade Khalil Mack and a couple of first. Really, Khalil for... Mack? Yeah, I would. I would oh, totally man. do it. If I were the Bears, I almost wouldn't give up Khalil Mack for anybody. Khalil. Yeah, no, I, I totally would. I don't. I McLeal Max, great. He's a huge difference maker. Probably still one of the the top ten players in the the league on defense. But I I think that the chance to get Watson and finally have a good quarterback. I mean, they, it's the Bears. They're always going to have a great defense. It feels like whether they have Cleo Mack there or not. Um, that's that's my there's my trade. Uh, I guess proposal. Deshaun today. Watson to the Bears, huh? Yeah, on the spot. I'm just that's that's my one. Huh. I'm riding with. That's it. good. That's pretty good. I like it. Uh, let's move on to the next one. I think you'll be most excited about this next one. Russell Wilson leaving Seattle to the hammer. <laughs> Whatever I'm in. it is. Don't even need. Don't even to need the to Rams for Matt Staff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> you did me dirty. Oh, I'm just joking. Uh, you did me dirty uh, with that. <laughs> Actually, Russell Wilson to the Panthers for the eighth overall pick in this draft. Bridgewater, who could be a stopgap quarterback for you. And then the 2022 first round pick from the Carolina Panthers. How many first round? Only two. Yeah. Um, Go for it. Go for it, Seahawks. I definitely advise this trade. I know. I I know you love Wilson and I know you would love to see him lead the division. Um, so, and that's why I kind of wanted to bring one up and I feel like the Panthers are in a great situation, a good young defense, a good young coach, um, Christian McCaffrey next to him, a couple wide receivers. They're in a great, great situation to try to trade for him. And who knows how much his value is really worth now. I don't know if he's worth three first round picks and two second round picks in my opinion. Probably. Yeah, probably not. I mean, that, that NFC, if Wilson were to get traded to the Panthers, that that could very well be the favorite to win the NFC South. Even yeah, over the but Bucks if, if he goes there, I think he's the favorite to win the NFC South. What about Wilson to the Giants? I feel like there's a lot of people that are, uh, I guess, like sniffing up that rumor as Russell Wilson's kind of been wants to be the face of New York, be another face of a, a big market. I here's. Have you thought about I've that thought one about at all the or Jets. no? I, I think the Jets were the second most likely place for me other than the Panthers. Just because they have okay. Darnold and multiple picks. But um, the Giants, I just, I feel like, uh, is it Dan Gettleman or Dave Gettleman is their GM? I can't remember what his first name is. Dave. So Dave, Dave Gettleman. Gettleman, I feel like he's the type of guy to be like, nope, Daniel Jones, I'm backing him. I took first round it just feels like he he won't want to move past daniel jones even if daniel jones does have these fumble issues and whatever other issues he has it just feels like 
Gettleman will not want to move past Daniel Jones because that was his pick. That's his boy. Yeah, that's fair. He's he's had a history of being stubborn and making decisions, and they it just doesn't make sense for them to run it back completely with the roster that they had. Like I don't see it. They're a little, they're kind of young, but I don't see it getting that much better. I guess they'll have Saquon back, and that'll make a huge difference. But I don't think he wins you three extra no, games. No, I don't know? think so either. All um, right. Well, I'm all for it. Hammer the Wilson to get out of the hammer, NFC West. Hammer Wilson the to the Rams. It's the new. It's the new trade. Um, and, <laughs> I wouldn't even want him on the 49ers. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's move to the last. The last trade I have. So if you have any others, I would love to hear them. But this is actually for a non-starting quarterback who I feel like has gained a lot of you know, potential starting quarterback position here, Marcus Mariota from the Raiders. Um, And when I was looking around the league at teams that could maybe use Mariota and Mariota fit in well with their teams, I thought of the Colts. Uh, Obviously the Colts lost Phillip Rivers. Mariota could come in for maybe a second round pick and maybe you have to throw in a fourth round pick as a kicker or something. But if the Colts could get Mariota, who's a semi-veteran player, um, he's he's been to the playoffs. He's played in the playoffs, and he's kind of a scrambling type quarterback. Even though you don't need that, you can give him the time to really um, grow and mature, and still play with that amazing defense. So I liked Mariota to the Colts. I do you think they'd rather have Mariota than just running it back with Brissett again since he already knows the system? That's where it's tough. I don't know how highly they think of Brissett if they were willing to bring in a 38-year-old Philip Rivers over, you know, uh Jacoby Brissett. That's just that's just where my thought goes to. Okay. Yeah, it all depends on that, I guess. And I don't I don't know if Mariota is a huge upgrade unless they can get him for I, I would hope they wouldn't trade a second round pick for him just because he hasn't really done anything outside of that one Monday night football game he had to play on or whatever it was um, I'm just surprised you didn't come up with any Patriots quarterback options I don't know what the heck they're going to do well, I, I have my own idea for the Patriots and, and I might not be di- divulging them this week I might hold Patriots <laughs> You don't, you don't want to unveil your secrets so the rest of the league. No, I I want to keep these on lockdown at least for one more week. I I want to keep them secret, and then um, my boy Bill and I will be chatting in the off season and really trying to get some stuff going. All right, I guess I'll just assume it's probably three first round picks for Taysom Hill and coming. <laughs> that's a that's a good assumption. Okay. Speaking of assumption, know. the Patriots will probably try to take. A player from Assumption College this year. Just watch out for that. It's got to be a D three school, so they're probably going for a first or second round pick for some guy from Assumption College or something like that. We'll see what happens there. But Bill and I haven't been in talks yet. I've heard they have. Yeah, I've heard they've got a great QB system there, at Assumption <laughs> College. Yep. Well, do you have any other potential trades or any other thoughts on potential trades? No, I'm just sticking with my Khalil Mack one. I was I was trying to think of of any others this week. I I feel like the Bears really need to pull the trigger for for Watson if they can kind of rectify their wrongs of taking Trubisky over over Khalil or tr- taking Trubisky over Deshaun Watson in the first place. So 
it would be hilarious if they actually had to end up giving up more first rounders for him, even though they could have just taken him to begin with. But I, uh, I don't really even know who to expect is on the trade block is my, my issue with, with formulating trades. You're just, you're in your bag with it all the time. I don't know how you're, you're so creative. I'm just a trade maniac. My dream job is to be a GM, you know? So this is what I, this is what I do for a living. Um, (laughs) Good to know. Yeah, that's my living. This this whole podcast, me potentially coming up with fake trades is my whole living. That's your whole point of existence. Okay, it, I, I get what you mean now. Not making no money, but I haven't money off of it. Oh. It's, it's hard, hard life. Wow. Um, but what about Dak Prescott? Is Dak Prescott on the move? Or is he staying in Dallas? That's uh, my last. I don't one. think he gets traded. I think he stays in Dallas. Just being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback means so much to a player's after career. You look at Romo. You look at Aikman. You look at basically any good quarterback that's been in Dallas. They have a career after their NFL playing career, whether it's in broadcasting, media, whatever it could be, they'll have a career afterward. So they won't trade him because they want to keep him his broadcasting oh, career he's, alive. He's actually supposed to be a free agent this year. Oh, he, you're right, he is. But I meant they won't they wanna they'll wanna run I, it back. I think if him. you sign him as a free agent and get him to a big deal, you're gonna run it back with Dak Prescott and hope he hope for the best. Oh, yeah, I meant more of, like, is he going to be – are they going to actually sign him, do yes. you think? But I, I would I would think I, they should. I think they're going so. to sign him, too. I think it's – I don't see any real upgrade to Dak besides Russell Wilson. But I don't see Deshaun right, well, staying in state. Okay, no no difference in opinion okay. then. There. Well, let's move, let's move on to other sports around the world. I know – both of us kind of wanted to hint on the NBA a little bit before we jump in. Um, today's a pretty sad day for the soccer world. Uh, Liverpool's head coach, German um, Jurgen Klopp has passed away or, or not. He has passed away. Excuse me. That that's wrong. His mother has passed away um, this morning and due to COVID-19 restrictions in Germany, he will not be able to attend her funeral, but, a sad day for Jurgen Klopp and for the Liverpool family. So hopefully the best for him and hopefully he can stay good mentally there. Dang, that's really sad. Marty Schottenheimer just passed away too yesterday, the the Hall of Fame head coach and of the, the Chiefs and the, the Chargers. So there's, it feels like there's been a lot of people passing from the sports world ever since the Super Bowl, sadly. So hopefully we don't have too much more bad news here in the next next few weeks hopefully not months. but let's move on to some good news scott bring us into the nba wheel us in here and to cbb i know you're a big cbb guy we didn't get to talk about the nfc west very much today so moving into college basketball right up your realm yeah at least let me talk about something one thing i know today i appreciate it um so as far as the nba goes that we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the best team in the nba right now that's the Utah Jazz. That's not the Los Angeles Lakers. It's not the Los Angeles Clippers. It's not the Milwaukee Bucks. The Jazz currently have the best record in the NBA. It's been their best start in franchise history at, at 20 and 5 right now. They've won 16 of their last 17. And they are shooting like they are the 2016 Warriors, except for everyone. It's not just Curry and Clay Thompson. It's it's Royce O'Neal. It's Donovan Mitchell playing like an MVP. It's 
Joe Ingles. I'm not sure why I said Royce O'Neal first, but <laughs> <laughs> pretty much everybody on their team is is contributing to wins. And so far, the Rudy Gobert Supermax experiment is, is off to a uh, good Rudy start. Rudy Gobert's, yeah. I, I don't know if I would still give him – we talked about this. I probably still wouldn't have given the, him the Supermax. I would have tried to get him to go lower. But if he was going to leave – hindsight's 2020 you would give him the supermax just because of what he can do on defense um yeah they're they're they finally have turned into a more consistent offensive team and the mike conley um the trade has has really worked in their favor you didn't so even far. touch on jordan clarkson i thought that was going to be the first guy you mentioned Over- oh he's 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 my pick for six man of the year and he's he's definitely the front runner for it so he deserves all the credit too. He had a tough night versus the the Celtics last night, but overall a great season so far, and and, and played really well filling in for Donovan Mitchell when he was out. And, for a couple and what games. it feels like is it feels like one player can have an off night, but there's five players around or five players on that team that can have an on night. You know, so one player can have an off night, and that's that's kind of what it feels different for the Jazz this year over any other years, it feels like somebody can have an off night and somebody else will step up in their spot. Well, yeah, we didn't even mention Bogdanovich either, and he's having a probably his best year as a pro as well. So there's just, just a lot of a lot of different options for them scoring-wise, which their problem for the past few years and what's held them back is they really only had, ever since they got Mitchell, it was pretty much him to just deliver everything for their offense. So... Looking forward to seeing them. I, I think if they can finish strong throughout the rest of the regular season, obviously it's still early. If they can get the first seed and lock that up somehow, that would be huge for for actually NBA title hopes and them being a legit well, contender. Let's just talk real quick about what it means if they do get the first seed. If they do get one seed okay. and the Lakers and Clippers are two and three, then that means they miss the Lakers and Clippers in – an earlier round before the Western Conference Finals. They would still probably have to go through Denver, is my guess, who would be number four at that point, if I just had to take a shot in the dark guess. Which might be the the scariest team for them to actually play. It always seems like De- Denver's the only team that beat them during this stretch, and it's because they shot about 90% from the field before <laughs> and that And that's what's crazy. But I would rather take on Denver than I would the Lakers. Or the Clippers, honestly. Oh. It just feels like both of those teams mismatch against the Jazz so well, especially in the playoffs when LeBron and AD are both playing and giving it their all. And, you know, Kawhi's in there playing, giving it at all his all. Paul George. It just feels like the Jazz match up a little bit better with the Nuggets against Jokic and Murray rather than AD and LeBron. Yeah, I, obviously, I think they would much rather see the Lakers or the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals compared to one of the earlier rounds, and and have one of the two of those teams beat up on each other and and not have to play them both is is sort of the the bigger yeah. deal. I think. Oh, definitely. Well, do you, any well the this oh I was just gonna say just to cover the East a little bit because we didn't talk about any East teams. The Sixers and Bucks currently lead the East with the best records. And the Brooklyn experiment is going just as I anticipated. They're pretty much by far the worst defense. It in the is league. without Kevin Durant, who was the key piece in the whole experiment. He's been playing. He's missed the last two or three games, I thought, because of the COVID stuff. 
the last two games, but they've still played a pretty good handful yeah, of games. It, it's true. I think it's I think it's a tough experiment, and it will take time. It's not like they would be able to get Harden, Kyrie, and KD all their touches instantly. It will be. You did call it though. You said it wasn't going to work out, and it's it has looked rough. Well, I'm not saying I'm going to be completely right. I'm just saying, as of right now, they don't have anybody that knows how to keep a keep the ball in front of them or keep the ball from going on the in the basket on their team. So there's just a lot of question marks still there that they might need to try. I saw that at one point they were trying already to to make a trade for Kevin Love, and I was like, do they think that's actually going to solve <laughs> the problems on the side where they don't have the ball? Like, I don't really know. Steve Nash didn't really like playing defense in his in his career to begin with, so maybe he's just sticking with the same game plan as a coach and not really. Maybe they about try that. to give up a pick to get Drummond. Yeah, I, that would be that would be a lot of personalities <laughs> and um, firepower in that in that system, I guess. I, I don't really know. I, I think they'll be fine. Like they're ultimately going to be probably a top four or five seed. And then when it gets to the playoffs, nobody's going to want to see them in the playoffs yeah. regardless. So they'll, they'll probably be fine. It's just as of right now, they, they don't, they're playing freaking um, all-star basketball on offense and JV <laughs> basketball on defense. So, well, let me let me ask you a question since we're talking about the East. This isn't in relation to the Nets, but how do you feel about the Hornets this year? The Hornets are probably one of the most talked about teams just because of LaMelo, but how do you feel about them this year? I was feeling great about it until my boy, Devontae Graham, got hurt just this past game, or I guess a couple games ago versus the Jazz, but LaMelo is, is showing out. I'm not a fan of um, every highlight page showing a highlight when he does literally anything he could tie his shoes and they'd post it to their social media account so i'm uh i'm a little over the coverage but good for the hornets for finally having a player that actually gives them exposure they're normally the the most forgotten about team in the league and lamello has been great he's he's had his his inefficiencies and his struggles but he's a rookie and so he's he's yeah and and gordon hayward's played almost on an all-star level the last couple of weeks which has probably been a huge key to Lamelo's success and the team's success totally i didn't even mention hayward and everybody clowned them for that that signing at the beginning of the year and he's he's exceeded expectations by a long shot to jazz fans dismay definitely definitely exceeded expectations especially to celtics fans dismay too to both jazz and celtics because at the celtics he really wasn't anything special yeah i just don't think the fit was right there when they already had such a log jam at at forward but but i agree who's your uh before we move on from the nba who's your who's your early season mvp so far mine's joel Embiid. i'll just throw that out there i was gonna say i have two that i'm kind of on the fence against joel all right, well, well you pick it. Joel Embiid was one, one but I'll go against him. I think I have to go with Jokic. Oh, yeah, that's hard. I mean, those they're, they're definitely one and two. Jokic is, like. is so good. At, for, for what he looks like and how he plays, it's just so shocking at how good he is. And I know that's been talked about a bajillion times, but he, he's an incredible player. Yeah, he's so good at everything and always fun to watch. And I'm glad that 
Embiid is having a, a great year so far, despite all the, the trade rumors and uncertainty around um, Philadelphia. I also think Curry deserves a shout out for, for what he's done so far. He's had a couple insane performances. Don't think he'll win MVP like I predicted, but still had a great oh, season. Oh, yeah. So still far. having a great season. Well, let's move on to the big three. Let's, let's finish out. Oh, you don't even want to do oh. college basketball. You got, hit, hit us with a quick college basketball rundown. We'll we'll spend we can spend like ten hit, seconds on rundown college basketball. on college so, basketball. The death of the blue bloods is official. Kansas is finally out of the rankings for the first time in ten years, and Kansas, Duke, UK, Kentucky, I mean, and North Carolina are all at the out of the rankings at the same time for the first time since 1960. So. And with regards to that, just just to further the point, Duke, Kentucky, and Michigan State are all 10th in their respective conferences. So it's not even like they're just having a rough season in general. They haven't gotten anything going in conference play. Duke and Kentucky are both under 500. Makes me feel a little better about my my Calipari and Krzyzewski take at the beginning of the year that they're they're not necessarily great coaches as much as they are just great recruiters and motivators. But with that being said, field is as wide open as it's ever been, even though Baylor and Gonzaga are definitely the clear-cut favorites. The field is pretty much from 3 to uh, 40. Any team can beat just about anybody on any given night. So March Madness should be about as exciting. Are you, are you taking been. Baylor or Gonzaga or the field? I was going to ask you the same thing. If I'm taking between Baylor and Gonzaga, I'm taking Baylor just because – they have one of the best backcourts I've ever seen, and I think they have pretty much any player can go off on on any given night for them and score 20 points. I think Gonzaga has the best player in the country with Jalen Suggs. Um, that, that's debatable, but he's probably my pick to be the best player in the country. I would still take the field. It's just it's the NCAA tournament. You never know what's going to happen. It's, it's really, really tough to win six games in a row, not on your home court, um, versus – quality opponents i I was gonna say i was taking the field i thought you would take baylor but i'll take gonzaga i'll go with gonzaga oh you you won't back gonzaga you don't like kispert Kispert. i really don't like (laughs) he's my probably my least favorite player but i'm gonna back gonzaga all right i mean neither one of if you're gonna bet on anything you'd bet one of those two that there's an argument to be made that they should probably just play a seven-game series to decide the national championship at this point. So I, I'm glad they're not doing that because I, I think there's still a really good chance someone else somehow sneaks in. It could be like the Kemba year or the uh, Florida the boat ride. The, the what? Uh, UMAB or what was their uh, – U- UMBC? Yeah, UMBC, Florida Gulf Coast, one of those years. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. It, it that's the best. That's the reason why it's the best postseason tournament in oh, sports. Yeah. Well, thank you for the college basketball update. Let's move on. Let's finish with a big three. Do you want to ask the question this week, or do you want me to ask it? No, you go for it. I got. Okay. I had last I, week. We're gonna do only one question this week. Just round us out really quick. Your big three. In pizza. Yesterday, it was National Pizza Day. I want to hear your big three pizza, whether that's topping, deep dish, Chicago style, whatever you want to go with, your big three in pizza. 
Oh man. So I could, Oh, are we doing snake draft where I I'll start and then we can go snake draft. Okay, My number one pizza. Eggplant. Not eggplant spinach. Shout out to your dad for getting <laughs> us that once though. Um, it is probably <laughs> Hawaiian. I, with a little bit of bacon on it. I like the ham. I like the pineapple. I know a lot of people don't like pineapple on their pizza. And then the bacon. It just kind of all complements each other. I love it. All right. I'll go with... Man. There's too many good ones. I'll probably go with just a nice, good barbecue chicken that's, pizza. That's my wife's favorite. That's awesome. Barbecue, barbecue chicken um, okay. thin crust. You're, you're a thin crust guy. Well, it just depends on the pizza, but but for barbecue chicken, I I like a good thin crust. So in Romania, all they did was wood-fired pizzas. This is my second favorite, wood-fired pizzas. um, And the toppings that they had on it, they would do basically any topping you want, like eggs, whatever. But I got like a carnivore with French fries on top of it. And they weren't like normal like Wendy's or McDonald's French fries. They were like thick and really nice. It was the perfect combo. like kind of like steak fries. fries, yes. Oh, that sounds that sounds yikes. It was a me, heart but... attack on my plate, but it was so good. So good in my mouth. What um, was it called? Carnivora, I think. Carnivora. Ah. Okay. Sounds yeah, like was... a good choice. I would I wouldn't eat it, but I mean you uh you stole it from <laughs> me, so no, no, I can't pick that anymore, I guess. Um I'll go with the I'm trying to decide between a couple of different places. I really like the the Diablo pizza from from Medici here in in Utah. Medici's got a great spice. I'm I'm anything spicy, I'm always a, a go for. So I'll probably take the Diablo just because it's one of the best spicy pizzas okay, that exists. Okay, I know you love Medici's. I, I, we've been a couple times and I know that's that's you and your wife's place to go. So watch out for Medici's. Um, I'm going to actually go with a location for my third place um, and, and then give you the pizza. But up in Lava Hot Springs, Idaho, my wife and I went out one night um, when we were camping up there and went to this little pizza bar restaurant type thing. And they had a ranch base with chicken. And it I, I was very skeptic. My wife was all in. But when I had it, I was all in. It was so good. We went back the next night. We had pizza. I'm a big pizza guy, but we went back the next night and it was so delicious. I would recommend it. Look into it. It's incredible. Was that just because you were camping and didn't actually have any food throughout the entire day? No, I was whipping us up a storm, but. (laughs) Were you whipping up tinfoil dinners, breakfasts, whatever you wanted? I was there. I was whipping it up. But this place, it was it was just downright amazing. Oh, man. Okay, I I believe you. I mean, you know, it's always those hole in the wall, small joints that seem like they have the best best stuff going on. Um. Do I want to give a shout out to Hot and Ready's for my my third? Hey, third I like that. We've got we've got a pizza in here in our fridge right now, leftover from Hot and Ready's. Yeah, no, I don't want to give Little Caesars oh. the shout out. I'm sorry, it's just too hit or it's too hit or miss. It's not consistent. A good Hot and Ready definitely makes the top three for me. I'll go with um, a shout out to my wife's, um, I guess, like home as well. So 
there's a place called Barrows down in um in Mesa, Arizona. That's about as good of a pan pan crust pizza that you can find. Just straight up pepperoni pizza. So freaking good every single time we get it. So I'll give them a shout out. Probably honorable mention to to Pizzeria Limon. I wanted to throw them in there somehow, but but couldn't. They just they always get me too. There's just too many good pizzas. There, there are. Just... I could eat pizza almost every meal. That's just me. I'm a big pizza lover. Like the the arugula one from from Cafe Galleria and Heber's really Cafe great. Cafe Galleria's got a a great bundle of places, and I think they do the wood fire, which I love, which is great. So yeah, the the Junction in Heber, their buffalo chicken pizza. I mean, I, I can go for any buffalo pizza too. There's there's too many. That I I should take back my barbecue chicken pick. I don't even know if I now that I, now that you've given me time to think about more, I'm. Well, pizza is just the best meal, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't blame you. It's, a, it's a struggle. Okay. Well, thank you all to all of our listeners for listening out this week. We're super excited for the off season and what's to come, and and hopefully you had a great Super Bowl and you spent it with your family and everything was great. We'll catch you next time on the Bonner Show. <laughs>